0: My mama would say You gotta fight for what is right To her I would say I wanna give back
1: December 7th in the year 2023. You know, I didn't make a big mention of it. We really had an awesome event yesterday. Um, yesterday was Elijah, who's the sixth, the oldest of the Cantrell family. Actually, here, there's one other that's older. She's going to school. But um, Elijah's 16th birthday yesterday. So we had a full day. Really, of celebrating the birthday, it was really great to watch the family come together like that. And what they normally do. For myself, it was a cooking day rather a baking day, because so I made cinnamon rolls in the morning, and we had. And I'm just gonna say, I I I love doing cinnamon rolls. I learned it from my grandmother, and I, I make a lot of them over the years. I've made a lot of them. I don't like having them around because they tend to be highly addictive and highly rich in carbs and you tend to, they're not good for your health over time. But when you're dealing with birthdays, you have to have cinnamon rolls. And as it turns out, the Cantrells have cinnamon rolls as their normal thing for the kids in the morning. So, I made some cinnamon rolls. Now, this is about five pounds of flour roughly turned into with about a pound of butter and then you've got your sugar cinnamon all that other stuff so it makes about 20 about 22 um, small plate-sized cinnamon rolls in my life I'd be very honest with you I've never seen a disappearing act occur like this where you can literally watch 20 some cinnamon rolls vanish in like less than I don't know Like 15 minutes. I mean, these kids are just like unbelievable. And Zion, who is literally, I think she's, I mean, she's got, she can't be more than two. Zion literally ate like one herself. And then we gave her half of one. If that wasn't enough, she got, when she was let down off her high chair, she went over to her brother's and took his. This is like crazy. These are like, this is like, wait a minute. Someone said, hey, wait, Scott, did you break carnivore diet? Technically, yes, I did, because what I did actually was, that was Corey Terry asking me that. that was a good question. Technically, yes, I did break corn of a diet. I, I broke it. I, I ended up eating part of a cinnamon roll, but I didn't eat the whole thing. So it, I don't know if that counts. Um, does it count if you like eat part of it? I have to, I have to like go take that to prayer. Okay, God, does it count if I? Yes, I broke cinnamon. Yes, I broke. So, yeah, I just had to take a little piece. <laughs> What was really cool, too, though, is my parents came up in the afternoon. My dad's going to turn 87 on Saturday. And um, had a chance to bring the two birthdays together. And then that evening, um, I made a, we had pizza. But here's another thing. Like, when you're cooking for an army, you don't make pizza in round sheets. You make pizza in flat sheet pans and make a deep dish. So that was another thing. So we had two big. Flat band pizzas for the kids, which again, your little army of Christian soldiers devoured. It's just literally like watching food vanish. And you, it, it is something you would say that can't possibly be, and then you just look around. You are like, it's like tonight I made bread before the show, earlier. And those two loaves were gone in less than ten minutes. Like pff, gone, incredible amount of food volume. It's incredible. But anyway, all growing young, young people. So we did the pizza. And then we did, I made a pound cake for the birthday cake. And once we had that, with the ice cream, and then we did a, they did a really nice blessing. And then the, the Elijah prayed on my dad. And then my dad prayed on Elijah. So it was really, really, really pretty cool. So we put the br- two birthday parties together. and Very, very nice. So, yeah, we had a good, and we had a good time yesterday. It was nice to see the children come together and, work together. Elijah's an amazing young man, 16 years old, is very much a, he he is an older brother of older brothers. When I say that, he looks after every, every one of the young kids and he's constantly paying attention to what's going on. My office at the house up here, my, my studio, there's a couple of them that find great attraction to coming in and curious about what's going on in the studio. So Elijah's always kind of like the monitor, like, all right, what are you doing in there? Pretty good. Tomorrow morning, just so I say, no, bend knee tomorrow morning. Um, and tomorrow night's shows are probably going to be about an hour off. The, the Bards FM show will probably shift about an hour tomorrow night. The reason being, um, Paul Cantrell and I are going down to pick up a, a trailer of his in the morning in Shasta. And i have got to make a run to uh, Yuba City. Uh, Church of Glad Tidings, and then we'll make a turnaround. So it's a six-hour down, six-hour back, 12-hour travel travel day. We're going to leave here actually in a couple of hours. It's um, 9 p.m. here, so we're going to hit the road about 1.30 a.m., and we'll be at Glad Tidings by about 7.30 or so, 8 o'clock, grab some breakfast and do our meeting at Church of Glad Tidings. Be out of there by noon, back up here. So the tomorrow evening show might be like 7.30 or something like that, so don't get stressed. It'll be up. There's a lot of stuff right now that our country is dealing with. And it's obviously, there's a lot of people up in arms. And we are getting to a point where we're gonna have to start making some hard decisions about the directions we're gonna go. And we can, and I do, I mean, I do get inflamed about some of this stuff in a righteous way. One thing I just wanna stress that no matter what we do, we have to place everything in the context of what our Father leads. And that means constantly in prayer. And that means that even when you're doing operations, like real operations on the ground, which I don't think we're going to be able to avoid, we need to have people praying and listening and praying also for, those, for everybody that's doing operations. And it's going to be that wisdom that we gain. It's going to give us the upper hand in this fight. And we have to listen closely. We have to speak the truth. We have to just tune into the prophetic and the apostolic. And that's ultimately what the Bible teaches us in these battles that they had: is that God led these fights. It wasn't that they just randomly decided to go to war, because, you know, because Ukraine's hiding the servers for the election and is making the drugs that killed everybody in the with all the pharmaceutical companies, and then we decide to go to war with them or, or, go, or go to defend them because Russia wants to go rid them out. We don't. None of this stuff is random. And in the sense of what we're doing, we have to maintain that same vigilance and maintain a vigilance that we are constantly learning and listening to Father. I think so much of the time that we're in is just that, is it's a training period right now. It's a, and it's more than a training, I just call it a refinement. And you go to a, you have basic training in the military, which is basic skills. And then you have an advanced training, which gives you your specialty, what they call MOS, Military Occupational Specialty. As you go along in your careers, you're going to go to more advanced schools. And the military is a good example of this because when you get through your basic and your MOS, you're, basic, you're just given the essentials to get started. You don't really want to say that you know your job great, but you know your job well enough to be effective and start moving. We've already been through that. In fact, the basic training part of that was started four, four years ago when we really started talking about county by county and digging into that model. And getting everybody to understand the fundamentals and just the, fam- the framework. And getting things set up so that we would be able to operate within the umbrella of kingdom and not be as dependent or fragile in a, in a state of fragile because our dependency was so high on the system that it was going to be torn apart. Now, if we look back on that and listening to that and that call, and God put that on my heart, and people have prayed on it and responded to it. I find it very amazing because when we sit and reflect back on how prophetic that whole framework was to where we are today and how important that framework is for today in moving forward. So a lot of where we work with the prophetic is not necessarily speaking of some great event, but in listening to the way God guides us. And I'd probably even argue that it was more apostolic because it was actually an action. So we were given a, an input. and and with action items so that we knew how to literally proceed and prepare ourselves for the season that was coming. So that is a big, big issue and it's one that we have to continue to focus on is listening carefully to what God tells us to do. I'm gonna read I'm gonna read tonight Isaiah fifty four. I think there's a lot in this that would be pertinent to everything we're talking about. Shout for joy, O barren one, she who has not given birth. Break forth into joyful shouting and rejoice, she who has not gone into labor with child. For the spiritual sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the site of your tent to make room for more children Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare them. Lengthen your tent ropes and make your pegs firm in the ground. For you will spread out to the right and to the left, and your descendants will take possession of nations and will inhabit deceased cities. Do not fear, for you will not be put to shame. And do not feel humiliated or ashamed, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth, and you will no longer remember the disgrace of your widowhood. Widowhood. For your husband is your maker, the Lord of hosts is his name, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, who is called the God of the whole earth. For the Lord has called you like a wife who has been abandoned, grieved in spirit, and like a wife married in your youth when she is later rejected or scorned says the says your god for a brief moment i abandoned you but with great compassion and mercy i will gather you to myself again in the an outburst of wrath i hid my face from you for a moment but with everlasting kindness i will give you, i will have compassion on you says the lord your redeemer for this is like the waters of noah to me as i swore an oath the waters of Noah would not flood the earth again. In the same way I have sworn that I will not be angry with you, nor will I rebuke you. For the mountains may be removed, and the hills may shake, but my lovingkindness will not be removed from you, nor will my covenant of peace be shaken, says the Lord who has compassion on you. O you afflicted city, storm-tossed and not confronted, Comforted, listen carefully. I will set your precious stones in the mortar and lay your foundations with sapphires. And I will make your battlements of rubies and your gates of shining bra- stone, burl stones and your barrier walls of precious stones. And all your spiritual sons will be disciples of the Lord, and great will be the well being of your sons. You will be firmly established in righteousness. You will be far from even the, the thought of oppression, for you will not fear, and from terror, for it will not come near you. If anyone fiercely attacks you, it will not be from me. Whoever attacks you will fall because of you. Listen carefully I have created the smith who blows on the fire of coals, and who has produced a weapon for its purpose, and I have created the, the destroyer to inflict ruin. No weapon that is forged against you will succeed, and every tongue that rises against you in judgment you will condemn. This peace, righteousness, security, and triumph over opposition is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and it is in their vindication from me, says the Lord. Reading through this piece, there's a lot of things that are very apropos to today's world and where we are. And I think it's evident that by the perception of the way our world is, the enemy, who is in self barren, seems to carry the greater numbers in the battlefield, but I think we know better. Much of that is a deception in our mind. It's a deception intended to lead us astray. And it's not who we actually worship. The Lord of hosts knows that wherever we sit to be prepared to expand our tents and so that there is newborn coming. And this is one of the reasons so much that this enemy is striking attacks against these little ones. And it's vicious. So, we have to start standing our ground more boldly. And we really have to start understanding what it is that we're actually here for and here to do. I think this is this, which is 50... Isaiah fifty four seventeen is pretty much puts it all in perspective. No weapon that is forged against you will succeed, and every tongue and every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you will condemn. We don't do that enough because so much of this power of this war is the power of life and death that is driven towards words. We are dealing with an enemy that is very adept at using spell casting at using words as a tool to destroy and words is a tool to corrupt. And it's done constantly. So much of the problem right now with our public school systems and what children are being indoctrinated with is the understanding the enemy has of how to use information and visual imagery to corrupt such so deeply that a child's innocence is is derailed, if not completely broken for life. And that would be a statement that I would rather not have to say, because if we were actually doing the deliverance and the inner healing that we're supposed to be doing as a church, that would never happen, but we're not. And so it comes down to us having to make hard decisions once again, of what we're going to do and whom we serve and my onrunning narrative right now is the fact that the Bible is a field manual of war, hence Bards FM, if you're curious, it is truly the field manual of war and we owe it to ourselves. To study this field manual more intently than ever before, from the front to the back, every page. And when you read it, you have to ask yourself, and every time you read a word, is it true? And I say that because it's an exercise; it's essential. Because if we're going to be asking ourselves about the Bible, like the world is trying to do, and telling you that the Bible's a fiction, a story, a book, they've missed the entire point of what faith is about and faith in our and faith in God. And that is simple. That the Bible is either wholly true or it is the greatest lie ever told. And when we start to look at the things that are in Isaiah 54, we start to hear a similar tone, that we have to literally rest easy within him, understand that there will be challenges that we will all overcome. But those are principles of the greatness of what Scripture tells us. The scripture does not tell us to be lazy. It tells us to be prosperous and fruitful. But that doesn't mean and wait for things to be done for you. that message has to be said over and over, because we have come to a place too much in our society, in this society, that complacency has become a very effective weapon against us, that unfortunately, we are literally looking at each other and accepting this blessing. On one hand, that God gave us life, and on the other hand, looking at each other and accepting the complacency of the words that are being told that we have to wait for someone else to come to save us. Christ already did. He came to earth and sacrificed himself. And what he didn't say is be idle and wait. That's not in scripture. And we do it too often, we do it too much. No weapon that is forged against you will succeed, which would mean that we are constantly in battle. And succeed does not mean that you will not be injured or cut. It's critical to appreciate that. In a sword battle, you might get cut, you might even lose an arm, but you won't succeed in killing them. And those are very, very important principles to understand the dedication that's being asked upon us as a, as Christians to step into this time in this fight as followers of Jesus. So we have to start understanding that God is weaving together something very different. You have asked me I shouldn't say it that way. I have told you better about a experience that I've had following Bars Fest of gaining spiritual family. An incredible network of family that God brought together. Michelle and Leah, Brian and Alicia, Derrico. So it's Michelle and Leah Svensson of the Resistance Chick, Brian and Alicia, Derrico from the Church of Glad Tidings, CJ and Rick Moyer, from Portland and their ministry. And we have uh, the Cantrells, obviously, Paul and Christine Cantrell and their family. All of this are about ministries coming together. And for myself, in a very personal sense, God has woven together sisters around me and brothers that I didn't have before. His word to me was that these are the relationships that will endure, that's that many of the blood relationships won't. And I say all this to you because there is a specific reference in Isaiah 54, to And your spiritual sons will be disciples of the Lord. And great will be be the well-being of your sons. We are coming into a very important time of embracing what God does to us and embraces what God is willing to do and can do because he's God. So if you are one that believes that there's only blood as a sister or a brother, I have to inform you that that's probably not correct. The bonds that I carry now with the people I've mentioned are deeper than I've ever had with a true blood brother, and that that extends far beyond just that group. You know, I reference several people in the in a community that I'm with: Corey Terry, Doc Chambers, Cam Hamilton, and there's others. But these people are brothers. Joe Vega, they're brothers. There are people we walk in the body of Christ and we accept that brotherhood as something very real. Care for one another. We check up on one another. I would argue that the relationship that is being developed is tighter than that of blood. Not always, but I'd say most of the time. And so it's important that we start to realize the essential aspects of community and where we have to grow because it isn't just building a neighbor-to-neighbor relationship. You have to start developing that with the body of Christ, the word, the gospel. And as we do that, we start to understand each other and each other's heart greater. Even in gospel, we're not all going to get along. You have, in the sense of the metaphor of the body, if you might have a right hand and a left hand, you might have something, you might have a kneecap. It doesn't mean that all these things are going to go together perfectly in a family, but they do go perfectly together in the body, which is the family. So tribe versus family is really what we're saying. And right now, God is remaking tribes doing it in a phenomenal way because from the root of the tribe, you get family. From the root of the family comes what? Comes tribes and comes the church because you can't have the church unless you have the root of the family. So the root of the family gives you churches. The root of the, the, of the families also give you tribes and the root of the tribes, which, is the fa- which ultimately is family leads to what? Nations. And so it is coming to a time that through all these connections, we can see a returning and a changing of things. To where alignments are actually brought together. I'm going to stretch you a little bit tonight, and I'm not saying it's for all people, but I want you to think about something. Everybody at a certain point has been, probably has, if you're going to be aligned in a relationship that's recognized by God, there is a blessing of children that's put upon you. That blessing of children could be one, could be five, could be 10, could be 20. In this day and age, we don't even allow God to produce that blessing without us dictating to God what we're going to do beforehand. We don't enter many covenants of marriage by saying that we want to. We're going to let God bless us with as many children as we will. We enter these marriages by saying things like, we're going to have one or we're going to have two, but or we're going to have no more than X. And that's, that's us dictating back to God. And that isn't where we need to be. We need to be opening up our hearts and our capabilities to allow God to fill the wombs and move it massively and population and a shifting kingdom. And it's not going to be easy. And by any standards, it will be easy to change that mindset to where we have control over that destiny rather than God. And yet, these are the sorts of root things that if we don't start looking at carefully and it's embracing what we have to change in terms of a moral behavior in a nation, we literally will not get any traction or go anywhere. Our challenge in life is truly phenomenal of what we face and it's going to be, it's a time and a place that's unprecedented and what it faces for all of us, and yet we know we can do it and we should, not just should, but we have to because it's there, quite frankly, that we try to find the true purpose and freedom that we exist within our walking kingdom and we need that. We have to be like that. That's how we have to be. So. That leads us to personal accountabilities, and the refining fires, essentially burning off the dross to leave the silver. A theme that I've been talking a great deal about lately, because I myself have been going through it so much. But it's what is necessary for us to achieve essentially next level, and that is absolutely Let crit- me- very critical. So I'm going to play an 11 minute and 11 second piece here that I think sums up so much about the state of mind of where we have to be as we move forward, keeping in mind that we're in a new era and that we have to start seeing to it that our hearts are readied and that we are prepared. Much of that is to refine ourselves so that we can accept the anointings, get the blessings and be positioned to be ready for where God calls. And that's the hard work, not the easy work. And that begins with deep repentance and goes through a lot of other things in terms of deliverance and inner healing. But it should leave us to a point where we can embrace a powerful concept that God literally hates. God God literally wants his mighty men of God to stand, and he has no room for cowards.
2: Put the nail in this coffin real tight. God hates a coward god hates a coward 21 and 8 says but the cowardly and the unbelievers murderers the sexually immoral sorcerers idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire which is the second death god wrote that i didn't who leads the list of that ragtag mob the cowardly look at your spiritual forefathers in the faith moses with a shepherd's staff invades the royal court of pharaoh Pharaoh, who's considered God on earth, who has the most mighty army that any nation ever assembled together. And he looked him in the face and said, "'Let my people go!' He was not afraid. Look at David, the shepherd boy, bringing a swing. And David and, da- and Goliath is coming against him. And David looks at him and said, "'You come to me with a sword and spear, "'but I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord.'" Duck, Leroy, here comes an accent and head rape. you're not gonna get over. Jesus. Uh, He's in the garden of Gethsemane. He's praying. 500 Roman soldiers come from the Antonian fortress to arrest one Jewish rabbi praying in the garden. Think about that. 500 battle ready Roman soldiers to arrest one Jewish rabbi praying with 12 sleeping disciples. They said we seek Jesus of Nazareth. He said I am he they fell on the ground like dead men. Jesus was no coward. I want to tell you something. Jesus lost his life at Calvary, but he didn't lose the fight. God will give you only what you're willing to fight for. Satan attacks you because you're God's child and he hates God's property. Satan attacks you because you're the light of the world and he's the prince of darkness. Satan attacks you because you're the truth and he's the father of lies. Satan attacks you because you're a soldier of the cross. You're anointed, you have the word of God. You have covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. You can take the sword of the truth of God and attack the gates of hell. You're a threat to him. Whenever you roll over in bed, every devil in Bear County
3: gets a migraine headache. That's why he hates you.
2: And to those of you who name the name of Christ, stop allowing Satan and his demonic goons to, to destroy your marriage. Put on the whole armor of God and fight back. Quit allowing him to attack your health. The Bible says by his stripes we are healed allowing him to attack your finances the bible says god will rebuke the devourer for your sake he will make him give it back to you sevenfold stop allowing the devil to rob you of your peace because jesus christ is the prince of peace stop allowing satan to rob you of your joy in his presence is the fullness of joy do you want it then fight for it do you want it then fight for it Put on the of God and stand beside me and take the word of the holiness of the father fight the good fight of faith resist the devil and he will flee from you we who carry this book have so taken from Jesus Christ his nature we have forgotten who he is he is the son of God who looked at his crowd one day and said you are of your father the devil that's not very commonly preached in the church of America today The fact is that God will give you what you're willing to fight for. In this war, you will demonstrate courage or cowardice. Some of you are courageous soldiers of the cross, and some of you are cowardly to the core. You don't deserve the name of following Jesus
3: Christ. Now here's what else you must do in the summer. Like a father, you must look out for your enemies. And believe me we're going to have some but remember like a father who would guard carefully his family i'm asking you to stand guard i'm asking you to stand at the door i'm asking you whatever threatens you threaten it back whatever pushes against you push it back whatever wants to overwhelm you like a father stand up take control and do battle with your enemies wherever you find it be strong in the lord say that with me be strong
2: in the lord be strong in the lord when you eat this meat for men and milk for children you'll be strong in the lord when you watch 40 hours of television you couldn't give your witness in the first church of any church in america This is God's fight, it's not yours. It's God's victory, it's not yours. It's God's glory, it's not yours. It's God's kingdom, it's not yours. It's God's strength, it's not yours. Put on the whole armor of God and fight and fight to win because the victory is ours through Christ the Lord. Give him praise in the house of God. What's the point I'm making here? The point is, you can never exhaust God's resources. You can never exhaust God's resources because he can do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or think. You can see his mighty power, but when he gets through, he's not exhausted. He has much more strength ready to give you from day unto day. He can defeat any giant that's before you. He can produce dreams in the desert. He can produce manna that will fall from the sky. He can send cloven tongues of fire in the upper room. He can walk on the water in the sea of Galilee and salvage you. The thing that you think is about to destroy you, he can use it for a sidewalk to save you. When you grow weary, he can make you to run like Elijah, 40 miles before the chariot. When you grow faint, he can give you strength. He can send you power that you can't begin to touch. You cannot exhaust God's power. Give him praise in the house of God. He can walk into the tomb of Lazarus and say, Lazarus, come forth! Why does he call Lazarus by name? Because if he didn't call him by name, he has so much strength, every dead man on planet Earth would have gotten up. That's why. Our God is an awesome God. He is full of grace and truth. He is of the Almighty. El Shaddai, the conqueror of death, hell, and the grave. He's the conqueror of sickness and death. He's the conqueror of powers and principalities. He's the conqueror from Calvary. He's the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the Lord of glory. And he's coming soon with power and great glory. Give him praise in the house of
3: God. Now here's what else you must do in the summer. Like a father, you must look out for your enemies. Now, here's one more. We must also deal with the enemies within ourselves. Yes, we've got enemies on the outside, but some of the enemies are not way off in some distant country. Some of the enemies are a lot closer than that. They are within. And I want to give you a list of some of the things to watch out for when you get back home called enemies within your self. Here's the first one indifference. Whatever you do, practice not being casual. You've got to shake off sometimes the lethargy that would say, oh, well, maybe it's not going to work for me or I'll just go along and see what happens. I'm asking you, whatever you do, the intensity that you've gathered up here during this extravaganza, I want you to take this same intensity home with you. (coughs) Don't be casual. Casualness creates casualties. Go home with a renewed intensity. Don't let indifference take over. Here's the next one, indecision. Someone's mentioned it a couple of times on this stage. They've had to deal with it. You've got to deal with it. Indecision is called the thief of opportunity. Make decisions even if it's a wrong decision. Do the very best you can. Make a decision and go with it. If it doesn't work out because it was a wrong decision, I'm telling you, that gives you experience now to make a better decision. Here's the next one. Doubt. We've all got to deal with the enemy of doubt. Cynicism has a unique way of crowding in on all of us. Being cynical about the government being cynical about banks and money, being cynical about society, being cynical about the past, cynical about the future. I'm asking you, don't let that disease grab you by the throat and ruin your chances to do well. Yes, it's easy to doubt that it can happen. It's easy to doubt. We've all got fears that want to crowd in. I say to you that if it can happen to us, it can happen to anybody in this room. Don't doubt your own ability. Don't doubt your own strength. Next is worry. But here's the clue, don't let it conquer you. Take all of the worries you've got and try to drive them into the smallest corner you can possibly find. If you don't worry, will be like a mad dog loose in the house. It'll have you in the corner. So whatever your enemies are here, drive them into a small corner. Here's the next one over caution hey in the spring if you're too cautious you never will plant the seed if you're too cautious you won't take the chance if you're too cautious you won't step out front if you're so cautious you probably never would have done your first meeting make this note you got to take a chance drive your tendency to be too cautious drive it into a small corner yes you can't be gullible no you can't go for everything yes you've got to be careful yes but don't be so cautious that it paralyzes you. don't be so cautious that it restricts your chance to do better see if you can't conquer that here's the next one pessimism yes there's the dark side yes there's the problem side yes there's the difficult side But i'm telling you it's not the only side yes the glass is half empty but it's also half full yes there's the dark side but there's the light side yes the night comes but so does the day i'm telling you don't be afraid of both sides opportunity and difficulty chance and danger learn how to handle it all
1: find who we are and what we believe and how we live and how we walk in every step will open doors or close them as fast as they give anything. We have to speak life. We don't walk a path of death and while Christ died on the cross he was resurrected and he rose again to remind us that life above all things is what we live for and our words do have the power of life and death. God seeks a mighty heart And in this hour, as much as we hold compassion for one another, we equally have to hold the mightiness of the sword before the enemy and not give in. And it's been too much of the giving in and giving away land and giving away territory and giving away strongholds. But the greatest strongholds that we now defend are in our heart, for that's the home of the true church. And this is an hour in which the true church is being lifted, awakened. And it's our calling and our time to come forward so, Patriots, it is time. Time to lean into the word like never before. Time to let and pray to the God pray to God to ask those words to be truly tattooed deep within our hearts, in such an amazing way that we can speak it from memory and not even have to reach to the paper in which they're printed on. That's how deep it must be. We are in a war and this war is a time in which we're all being called in ways we never imagined possible. I know that I'm at four years old, I stood on the sidewalk outside of my parents' home on Dent Avenue in San Jose, California, and God spoke to me before I even know who he was. And he told me then, you have been born for such a time, for a very special place. For my life, I walked and wondered what that was. And I see now where we've arrived. A critical hour and a time in which the hearts of the mighty warriors of Christ, the sons and daughters of the Most High, are now being called to take a stand. And this is something truly that we must face together, do together, and walk mightily within God's arms. So, time to stand. Time to be bold, fearless time to be ready to go forward and wield those swords to crush those demons, to set people free, to heal the sick and the broken, to raise the dead, and above all, to share the gospel of Jesus in such a passionate and beautiful way that people are left with only one choice, not because they don't have a choice, but because they see the only way to accept Him in their heart. And in so doing, each and every time we do that, we set someone free and take something away from the enemy that he covets so dear. And what does he covet? The idea that he's used his influence to turn people's eyes away from their father. But that can be no more. For our greatest battle now is before us, the battle to bring them home, the battle to use the word and the gifts and tools of this war that God has given us, the authorities which Christ has blessed us with to restore life and to speak life in such a mighty time. So be strong, be mighty, be blessed, and let us know and let us all work together to free those that are oppressed. Let us pray. Father God, In this hour, we truly are blessed by the greatness in which you have put before us and the authorities which you have blessed us with in this earth. Father God, we are asking now that all of those that stand in the darkness hear the words that we speak, that are touched by the gospel of Jesus, which we walk with and are able to turn their eyes now away from the darkness and back to you. Let us be those that break the chains. Let us be those that bring them home And let us strip from the enemy the forces that he thought he had to return them back to your fold. Thank you, Father, for in this time and this hour we have been truly blessed to be in this place. For you have brought us here for a reason. You've trusted in us. You've bestowed us with the power and glory of our faith in you. And now we know that we will stand, mightier than ever before, for you are with us. You will fight for us, but all we have to do is stand. Bless us, guide us, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So, patriots, the war is here. It's not a question of if or when. It is now. The only question we have to ask is whom do we serve? And I think that's pretty clear. We serve the one God, the true God, the God of hosts. So let us be blessed and let us walk with that anointing. And know that we shall never lose as long as our eyes remain on Him. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time in this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, have a very blessed evening. Walk with Christ. Walk in the yes. I'll see you tomorrow evening. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. And out for now.
4: Stop.